Welcome to You and I, an advice podcast exploring the questions we've all asked ourselves. I'm Jackie Kai Ellis, and it's my genuine hope that through sharing our most vulnerable stories, we know in the moments where it matters so much that we're actually not alone. I loved this month's question because it's a place where most of us have been, and yet it doesn't dilute the feelings of confusion, anxiety, feelings of being lost, and yearning for a dream that has not yet come to pass. They write, Recently impacted by a layoff, I'm contemplating how to start over or pivot into a new career. I've been wanting to shift careers for years and now have a true impetus to figure out what's next. I felt stuck due to golden handcuffs and lack of clarity on what else I could do. I'm having difficulty finding a North Star. I admire all the different careers you've had, many of which I aspire to be, if not for the financial risks. Would appreciate any advice you have on finding a new career. Thank you, Wisdom Seeker. Thank you, Wisdom Seeker, for your question. It needs to be said, I'm not a professional, just someone with some personal experience to share. I really do hope this podcast is helpful, but as always, you are the expert in your own life. Take the advice that resonates and just ignore what doesn't. And really don't hesitate to seek out professional help through a trusted source. We have some links on our website in case you need them. And don't forget to tune in later, where we will share next month's question. So if you have had the same experience as the question asker, we encourage you to send in your story or your words of wisdom for consideration for that episode. Since it's my very first episode, and we haven't yet had a chance for listeners to write in with their own stories, and I haven't had a chance to invite a listener on as my guest, I thought it would be the perfect way to kick off this podcast with someone that I've personally gone to advice for the last 20 years. She's one of my best friends. My first guest's name is Sandra Birkenhead. When we first met, she was a high school drama teacher, and I was a junior designer at a firm in Vancouver. It was 1995. We had both signed up for a running clinic, and we would run together. Really, I held her hostage while I droned on and on about how I wanted to leave my job, and Sandra was too out of breath to put up a fight. Though we stopped running together, we never stopped talking, especially about the things that mattered most. She is my go-to person when I'm feeling stuck. And I'm really glad and excited you have a chance to meet this amazing woman. Okay, so this is the very first episode of this podcast. And I think that I need to address the elephant in the room, <laughs> which is I am so nervous. Like, mm -hmm. I'm so nervous. My heart is racing and I feel like my voice is wiggly. Is it wiggly? I feel no, like it's not wiggly. You're sounding like you. You're sounding like you. Okay. I also know that, you know, you're nervous because this mm -hmm. is not something that you normally do. No. And also, we have recently been talking a lot about imposter syndrome. Yeah. And how we're both feeling that so profoundly at this period. <laughs> of our lives for whatever reason, obviously it comes up and goes away. It's like ocean waves. It kind of like goes in and out. Right. Mm -hmm. So I want to do a tiny little like 
ease the tension of this nervousness mm -hmm. and just like acknowledge that both of us are feeling imposter syndrome, that both mm -hmm. of us are feeling nervous. And that is actually, in, there is enough space here for us to feel all these things and yet be very present with this amazing question that we have. Mm -hmm. I don't know. How do you feel about what I just said? Because I feel like I just went on a little bit of a rant. No, you no. I, I well, I'm. I just want to say, as soon as you started talking, I was like, um, I just I, this. I I have this every time I sort of go on Instagram and I see something that you're doing that we don't talk about in our conversations, and all of a sudden I'm like, wait, you have a TV show? Because <laughs> yeah, we talk oh. about things that. Yes, really, really matter to us, like the TV show and the podcast and all that. That's just the stuff yeah. that I'm doing. But the stuff that's really important to me is like my personal development. And yeah. this is why we've been friends for so long. Yeah. What you care about the most, too. Yeah. So and, I, and I want to I want to say that because my nervousness started to uh, go down because I just feel such um, admiration for you. I'm really, I like, and, and, and just even the fact that you acknowledge that we're both nervous, I started to, I, I get kind of protective of you. I feel that like I'm, because I, I know who I know you. And so I think about all the things you've done in your life. And I'm like, I I'm sort of in the background there, um, wanting to, wanting to remind you or to have those conversations where we're like, we've got this, which kind of feels like what this is hopefully going to be about for me. Right. Because, you know, I, struggle with the very similar stuff yeah <laughs> it's like we're in tandem sometimes like I'll yes. talk to you about something that I'm struggling with and you're like well that was my last week so we don't need to talk about me <laughs> yes. um yeah so as we're talking about right before we hit record it's just our intention uh with this a question and this podcast even is just to be able to be as vulnerable and honest as possible mm -hmm. with our own stories in the hopes that the question asker would just maybe not feel so alone in it and not feel like, am I the only one that's going through this? Because we, both of us have gone through this exact same thing. And I think that you're in a different stage of it. And mm -hmm. I, was really struggling with it for many, many years while I was going through uh, career pivots. But in terms of your recently pivoted career, I remember you wanting to make a change with your career for, I would say, 10 years? <laughs> yes. Yeah, probably 10 more, maybe, maybe even more, but yeah. Yeah, the first inklings were maybe even mm. longer than that. Mm -hmm. And what eventually made you decide to jump from your original career that you'd had for what, 30 years? Probably 20. Oh, and the interesting thing is, you know, I went back and forth and back and forth between the two, the two jobs, right? So yeah, um, yeah I started as a teacher in 93. And then was uh, asked by a mentor to move into the other role that I had in the in the system, which was uh, school counseling. Um, I, I I don't know if I've ever felt not imposter syndrome in either of those roles, but that I think has more to do with um, the messages that I've been telling that I tell myself and continue to tell myself too. So when you ask the question like, what made me make that? 
you said what made me make the move right like eventually yeah. do it eventually move because you so, move from your original career I'm I'm trying to create some context too because I realized that like the listener actually doesn't know us so you you were in the school system for 20 something years yeah 30 almost 30 for still am years yeah. yes yeah. and you went uh you decided to sell your apartment and mm -hmm. move your husband over to the island. Mm -hmm. um, and that was a really hard decision to, uh, to make. I, I watched you go through that for many, many years. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, what was the clincher? Like what made you actually move? Um, there were a few things, but uh, this, and this has been something that I has propelled me, whether it's good or bad, almost every time. And that's what the pain of where I am is stronger than the pain of making the change. And you and I've talked about that, right? But the number of times, and I write in my journal a lot, the number of times I woke up and I was like, I'm just, I can't, this is, I'm not happy. Something's not feeling right. Something is, I'm not doing the way, the job, the way that I want to do the job. Um, I always said that if I ever didn't like working with teenagers, like, cause my job was working with teenagers that I would, that would be it. I could quit, but I never stopped liking working with the teenagers that, that like the kids that I got to work with, right. That was always the best part of it. Um, so again, so what happened is there a whole bunch of family stuff happened and, you know, aging parents and things like that, but really it was, it was, uh, excruciatingly painful. Um, lots of tears, um, feeling, feeling it sort of seep into other parts of my life so it was hard to be social uh it was hard to um to not think about it when i wasn't at work which is a real um commitment to myself is like try to leave it at work and not and not think about it uh, and really just feel uh incredibly defeated really mm -hmm. defeated and it's a very it was a very it's still a very scary thing i don't regret the move I don't regret leaving but I'm still you know me I'm still hanging on to a part of it right even here um I really loved what the the writer the the person who wrote the question and said about the golden handcuffs because that's a real it's a real struggle when when you're in a situation where those kind of things are are there and they're possible and they're happening in in you know at retirement or whatever I think that's what the golden handcuffs is right yeah I mean I think golden handcuffs could refer to a few things some some are like you're in a company for so long that every year you stay, they actually give you more stock yes. options and then it, yeah. but it's all, it's always financial. Yeah. It always, yeah. um, I think, hit, uh, hits the nerve of financial fear of yes. financial instability. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and that's, that's a long, long, long ago message. Um, you know, I, my mom grew up in absolute poverty and my dad not didn't fare all that much better. But that message all through was about money and about making sure you're you're stable and secure, making sure you don't owe too much, making sure that you can do what you need to do in order to take care of yourself. Um, and so exploring that and seeing whether it's possible to take care of myself and, and be financially responsible in another career it just did not seem possible because it would be kind of foolish to give it up. And, and that wasn't really necessarily the message I was getting from, from some people, but there's always someone that has that message. There's always someone that says, what are you thinking about? Look at all the good stuff that you have here. Right. And it makes it really hard to sort of sift through to see, yes, but is it possible that I could also be successful 
and be happy doing something else. Mm -hmm. And for you, the, I think if I remember correctly, like the financial stability had to do with not only the steady paycheck, but also the pension. Yeah. Yeah. And Which so, is, yeah. yeah. So knowing that and, and leaving your job early, knowing that there's not just the financial stability of right now, but there's also the, the financial stability of later. Yeah. That was yeah. a big thing. But yeah, we were sort of talking the other day too about um, the idea that financial stability and the fear of not having enough is quite arbitrary. Yeah. Yeah. Because some people really don't have a lot. Mm -hmm. But most of us, especially in Canada or, you know, in big city Vancouver, where, you know, most of us actually aren't uh, starving or we're not suffering through a war or, um, you know, having to be in hiding because of like religious persecution or things like that. Um, we have enough to get by most of us mm -hmm. and it may not feel like we're thriving, but we're not literally dying either. And so when we step back to look at how much we have and how much we're willing to risk, these are all very subjective things. Absolutely. Can you speak to that? Because I know we were talking about that the other day and like how you were like, well, do I want to make a move? And yeah, well, and you know, I've been talking for, for many, many years about this. I actually don't think it has a lot to do with money. <laughs> Yeah. I actually think it has probably nothing to do with financial security. Um, I mean, yeah, I spent my career working with people that uh, absolutely do struggle with money. And I, I see it and, and uh, I know the difference and I know uh, what that actually looks like to be having to, to um, make choices between putting food on the table and spending time with your 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 family right um so i think that's where the sadness for me comes from is because i know that it's not about really the money and that's um that's where i am i feel like i've been here a lot uh, sometimes like many times over the years but that's really where i am is that that trust that i it, well it's this it's the self stuff right it's the um you got this piece, right? That other people see in me that I struggle with. And uh, and it's so ironic that a lot of my career is spent working with people that are working through this themselves and supporting them through it. It's actually a real privilege because then I get to sort of go, note to self, Sandra. Mm -hmm. Yeah, check yourself here. <laughs> wow. But that is like, I mean, even Oprah says she's never had to go to therapy because she's interviewed all these people in that yeah. therapy. Yeah. Yeah. Which really, I mean, that the amount of self-reflection that happens in, in those, in those, um, I guess, relationships mm -hmm. is so much. Well, okay. Like I think about thinking about that time way back when you were leaving graphic design Yeah, and that, that was, to me, that was, felt like that was a monumental shift from that job to the bakery. Right. And all, I mean, I remember what that was 
that whole time was like, like I talked about the fact that it was the pain of staying where I am was greater than the pain of trying to move forward. Right. What was it for you? Same, same. I have yeah. that tattooed on my body. There's that quote. Oh. By, yeah, I don't, I don't know if you remember, but there's that quote by Nace Nin. It's like the pain of staying closed as a bud was more uh, painful than the fear of blossoming. Mm -hmm. And so it was exactly that. It was like this idea that I didn't want to hate my everyday life anymore. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to wake up and feel like I wasn't my fullest self mm -hmm. and that I wasn't enjoying life. And I think I still feel that because, I mean, this is a topic for maybe another day, but you know, in, a, in cloudier years in the recent past, I felt the same thing where I've woken up thinking, I don't, I don't want to be where I am, but I don't know where I want to be yet. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. you don't, I don't, I think I just didn't know even which direction to take myself because all I knew was that I didn't want what I, what was my present moment but I had nowhere to walk. So tell me a little bit about the career that you had okay. and where you recently pivoted to. Okay. Um, I was, I started teaching in 1993 and I will say that even then when we were thinking about careers and things, uh, during my first practicum, I was basically told I should find another career um, by my, um, my advisor, um, because they just, they could not see what I, that I even would enjoy the job. They couldn't see based on how I was showing up every day that I had, there was uh, getting any pleasure from it. And they took me aside and said, uh, either shape up in the last two days of this practicum or find another career. <laughs> what? So, yeah. So surprising because you, in my opinion, are slash were epic <laughs> at what you did mm. like you were you had created a safe space for teenagers arguably i think the hardest period in life to reach someone is in their teenage years mm. at least for me because i i teenagers are like aliens to me i have no idea how to talk to a teenager <laughs> you, yeah, you created this like incredible safe space uh, in your drama classes for teens mm. to work out the things that they were really struggling with. And th these teens were struggling with uh, Stop. parents in, in poverty, like, mm -hmm. like on the poverty line, uh, uh, a lot of um, abuse issues and things yeah. like that. And you, I remember feeling going to these high school plays that you would write in the summertime <laughs> so that these drama students could feel really seen mm. and work out their personal issues and and struggles through drama mm. anyway that's just an aside of how amazing you are so the fact that someone told you like hey just uh maybe you shouldn't be doing this. <laughs> just like, a heads up talking to me yeah and it was, I, I will say though, that he was right. 
um, that the advisor was right in that moment. And it was a lot of what I still struggle with today. Thank you for saying that. I know that I, I forget that you've sort of seen me in that element and in that in that role that I eventually, because I made it through my practicum, obviously. Um, and the, the just the gift it was to be able to work with kids and um, you know, it's teenage stuff. It didn't have to be brutal, hard stuff. It was just, I hate being 14, you know, or it's really hard to be 13 and, and not, you know, have sometimes a voice or whatever. Right. Um, but what he saw in me that, that, uh, um, in that practicum was, uh, what has stopped me from making a lot of decisions and choices in my life. And it was that fear, um, the fear of screwing up, the fear of not being successful, the fear of of not doing it perfectly. That was a really big piece for me. And after I was told that, um, like, figure it out in these last two days, or I'm going to ask for you to not be here for the longer practicum, uh, it it shifted something in me. And I, I was crying on the phone to my dad. And my dad said, I don't know what to tell you, Sandra, because teaching is hard. It's really hard and there's nothing I can tell you to make to to pretend that it's going to be easy. And that also shifted in me because I knew I knew it was hard, but I also knew that I wanted to do it. And well, so I went What was what? The, sorry, what was the hardest part about it? Well, there's a whole bunch of hard, right? Like there's a whole whole bunch, but for me it was uh I was doing a practicum on the east side of Vancouver. I came from a you know, from Victoria. And um, I had all these preconceived these these preconceived notions about what it would look like or what it would be like, and everything was that I thought was it, it was going to be was wrong, and I was so wanting to be liked or to be for them to know me right away without having to explain who I was, and that's not how it rolls with people, especially with young people. It's like I don't know you. Um, and I wasn't, I was really paralyzed at showing myself. And I had, you know, like the whole insecurities that I had forever. Um, and they were just really showing up in the front, trying to teach something, trying to connect with them. And um, and after he said that, I just went in and started acting. I started acting like I I had confidence. I started acting like I could, I, I believed I could connect. And through the acting, <laughs> the acting as if it happened. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and in, in the end, that that advisor was the reason that I got my first job in, in uh, another school, and where I stayed for most of my career was in that school. And, uh, yeah. So why did you leave and move back to Victoria? So, well, a lot of it was to do with, you know, my dad's uh, health and, uh, and wanting to be there for for to, to support my family. Um, there's a lot of health problems for a couple of people that I care about. And, um, and also I, I just wanted, I just needed more, um, quiet because where I was living and what was happening was a little bit, was, was too much, but also I really struggled within the system because I moved into the counseling piece and I really struggled with what the expectations of a school counselor are versus what I wanted to do with my time. Mm -hmm. And that's what the pivot's been now has been I I am creating more opportunity to do the work and have the conversations and have the connections that I want to have um and it's not in the system it's not there yeah I remember you were talking about shifting careers for probably a decade mm -hmm. and I think I think it's a misnomer that 
these shifts happen really quickly mm. and that people just jump. For me, at least my experience has always been that I think about something and it slowly bubbles for about a decade. Yeah. Even this podcast I I've been thinking about for about a decade. Mm -hmm. And then finally, one day you just run out of reasons why not. Yeah. Or you get so sick of where you are that you you feel like you have less to lose by just going forward or even uh, uh more more things fall into place that answer the question about whether it's time you yeah. know like 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 it's oh it was family or um the the city's getting really loud where we're living is getting really loud. there's someone that lives above us now has really heavy feet like all of these things started like <laughs> that started to fall it's like okay well maybe i can sort of revisit this this plan I had to do something different. And just like the asker, that that career shift or pivot was sort of made for that decision was sort of made for her because she mm -hmm. was impacted by a layoff. And mm -hmm. so sometimes when I think when we're meant to do something, the stars just align. And sometimes the stars aligning look like they suck in the moment. But actually, it's kind of a blessing. Mm -hmm. Like, for example, with my divorce, you know, in the moment I was not feeling like a marriage failing was my greatest blessing. <laughs> but actually, it was the one probably most pivotal learning experience I had was being in a marriage that was very, very challenging. Yeah. I, and I, I will say too, just thinking about that, um, how many conversations we would have about the things that you were going to try as well in that, right? Like, like I, I can shift this or, or, you know, I, I, I understand this. And so maybe I need to think about it this way, right? Like the number of conversations we had around, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm in it, right. I'm going to, yeah. you know, I want to just try. Right. And until, we, yeah. Until, until we, there's nothing else to try. Yeah. We do the same things with anything important to us, like our careers, where we're like, well, maybe I don't hate it so much. Or maybe if I just shifted my own perspective in this yes. way, maybe it would work. Maybe, you know, and it's just, and it actually all of the, that trying works. It's almost like it works out the kinks mm -hmm. of what we actually truly desire in the end even if we leave not knowing what we desire next it's all a part of like the like the forming of an image like the like the blurry focus coming into focus each time we do that trying it's like oh no 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 actually it's over here oh okay wait you know and so we we end up figuring it out through that process so not none of it's wasted mm -hmm. yeah um so when you decided to go into private practice as a counselor, hmm. I know that that was a really scary thing for you. <laughs> because of the financial piece, which the asker touches on, um, having had a steady paycheck for 30 years, plus the pension, which is the financial security for later, 
going into something like private practice where essentially you're an entrepreneur what yeah, were, contractor yeah how how was that shift for you and what was that like to overcome that fear because i think entrepreneurship is very um scary for someone who's never done it oh absolutely and and there's really there's a huge learning curve for me because i don't i know nothing i really i spent my whole career in in a uh, with an employer and uh, things were taken care of by that employer that are now essentially my responsibility right um so i i mean i'm not 100 sure that i actually have handled it entirely because you know like i'm still hanging on to a few days in a school system partly because i do like that connection and i like what i get to do but also because um it is very scary um i would say one of the things that really helped was to really realistically look at how much i need to survive and and i and that was a conversation i did not have just in my head i i i spoke with you know well my husband in particular and we we hash it out right like we make sure we're not i don't want to do anything that's going to put him or myself in a difficult position if something also were to come up right like that we needed um to be able to figure out financially so there's a lot of conversations about that um but also the driving force was there there was a really weird good feeling about it like mm -hmm. as, as scary as it was there was also this huge excitement and relief like excitement that i i did not feel um like stuck mm -hmm. um and excitement that this was something new and also it really aligns with what i love to do which is like work with people in that kind of space where you have a uh, time that is not interrupted by phones or another person coming knocking at the door saying we got to go here or this person has to go back to class or whatever right like it's like everything that I loved about what I do in the system uh the school system I'm I'm able to sort of uh, bring myself into it and it's still scary it's still like I'm I'm you know there's a lot to learn um but also it's like I I know the difference when I walk out of a day that I've spent working for myself and doing this, uh, I, it just feels better. It feels better. Do you feel more yourself? Do you feel more energized? Do you feel like, what is that feeling? Um, the, that's funny that you would say, do I feel more myself? Because that's always the struggle, even with this podcast, we already talked about this. Like that's a constant awareness of mine is like, okay, am I showing up? just as I am or am I pretending that I know more than I do and and when in my in my role now I, people are coming to work through things with the expectation that I have information or I have a background that could support them and I do have that background but every person is different right so so for me it is there is a, a moment that I several moments that I have to take and go you know you you have enough information you have enough and if you do not have the information then you will find out what the information is because you're your the ultimate thing is that you want to be of service here like that's 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 it right and honestly it really isn't about um the money i know that sounds kind of off topic really but um really but, the financial okay. thing is a huge yes. part, right yeah. yeah but it is it's sort of letting go of what i think um 
what I think it should look like for one thing. And just, uh, and I find that actually very easy when I'm in like in the private piece or in, in a session, I found that easy in the school system. When a kid came into my office, it was like nothing else, nothing else was going on. It was just that. Mm-hmm. And I, now I get that same experience here. Like all the worries I have, all the, the self-doubt, everything, if I'm doing what I genuinely connect with, those things are so small. As soon as the session's over, they all come back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but but in that moment, and that's that's the that's the thing for me. Like if when I'm actually doing the work that I want to do, if that fear and those worries about showing up, who I am, perfectionism, all that crap that that gets into my head, if it doesn't happen when I'm actually doing the work, then that's a good sign. Mm-hmm. That's something to move towards. It's like all the outside stuff, the outside projection stuff dies away or gets muted. And I really do think that when you're in that place, you are in like a zone of mm-hmm. connectedness with mm-hmm. yourself and it everything on the outside uh inferring what we should be how we should feel how we should be approaching this all those self-doubts which are all uh exterior Mm -hmm. going in right i think when you're in that zone it's just you doing you Mm -hmm. and that is what i i from for myself that's my biggest indicator of when i am doing the absolute best thing for me yeah that i'm exercising myself in the perfect way crafted exactly how i should be doing it i always think of like a dog when it doesn't get exercised it just starts tearing up the couch Mm. and i'm i always say that i'm like a dog that needs to be properly exercised or else i i'm just like an unhappy person i need to be doing things in my zone Mm-hmm. And I think everyone really does. Like, I think everyone has a zone mm-hmm. where they feel so connected and like the world falls away when they're doing that thing. Mm-hmm. And the hardest thing is to actually find what that is. Absolutely. Or And giving yourself the time to find, like, it, it sounds like, um, I don't know. Yeah, like just give, giving a lot, like that there, there be time to do that. Because I think like I if I'm in my job and it's very hard to carve out time to even start to consider what what it might look like to find that thing that makes me feel um, that feeling. Mm-hmm. I, I, and I, just as I'm saying that, I realize and the hard part about leaving the job that I left is because I still did have those moments. And it was the moments that I got to, you know, work with the kids, the doors closed and we're working through something. So I was like, yeah, I do get that. But the hard part was that everything else outside the door was getting bigger and bigger and more intrusive and more often. Mm -hmm. And so that, that, that had a huge impact. In a moment, Sandra's going to give her advice to the wisdom seeker. But first, a word from our nonprofit partner. In each episode, we'll feature a charity, a nonprofit, or a great cause as a small way to give back to our community. And don't forget to tune in later, where we're going to share our next month's question 
so that if you have had the same experience and would like to be a part of the episode, you can send us your story or your words of wisdom. Worth Hats is a hat company committed to doing something about mental health. Buy a hat, give a counseling session. Worth's vision is for everyone to feel comfortable and safe talking about their mental health. Their goal is to build an inclusive culture where we can learn to identify our own internal landscape and be willing to share without stigma or fear. At Worth Hats, they believe that taking proactive steps to improve our mental health is necessary. And by doing so, we will be happier and healthier individuals, families, and communities. Accessible and affordable counseling is their gateway to realizing their vision. They have sponsored over 6,000 counseling sessions and counting. Head over to worthhats.com, W-I-R-T-H hats.com, to learn how you can get involved. And now with, with private practice, it's almost like you found a way to lessen the things that you, that don't um, energize you Mm -hmm. and increase the things that do, because there's always going to be something in a job that doesn't energize us. Like always, like I don't like, you know, talking to my bookkeeper, but I do because I Mm -hmm. need to happen, but like crafting. And I think that comes with the maturity of like knowing yourself, but also with the, with the maturity of, of understanding that careers are are such infinite combinations of things that we can actually go that one piece doesn't work how can I find a solution to not do that thing or not make it necessary does that make sense oh yeah it totally does yeah like yeah well the the other piece that I was thinking about is um you know, because I've I've known you for a very long time and seen you move through and and do a lot of career, a lot of different careers. But I, I what's not seen is the incredible amount of work that went in to making those careers happen. Right? Like I I think it it it's it's one thing. Like I I see you and I see the things that you've done, but I also remember the work. And I'm thinking in my in my practice now. Um, the amount of stuff that I'm doing that, that the amount of time that's taken up that is not paid for me to be able to show up now. Right. And that, and finding that, I don't even know if it's a balance. Right. But it's like, um, it, it, it sort of go, it sort of winds down to what is driving my, my heart. Like, like, am I, cause if it's driving my heart, then I'm willing to put in the work. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I remember getting some advice a long time ago that just said, you know, there are three buckets, things that you are horrible at and you don't like to do things that you are good at, but you don't like to do and things that you are excellent at and you love to do. And number one, find someone else to do the stuff that you're not good at and you don't like Mm. to do. Mm -hmm. Number two, the stuff that you can do well, but you hate doing in the beginning when it's needed, do it. But the goal is to eventually get someone else to do that when you're financially, like when the, mm. the model works so that you can focus on the stuff that really does light you up. But it's obviously not always possible, but the goal is that you end up creating a model 
that you are really just doing the things that truly light you up, or you know that you can do those things well in order to enable you to do the things that light you up. So that, that was a really crucial thing. When I think about my careers, I always think, how much time am I going to spend doing the thing that I love? And how much time am I going to spend doing the thing I don't love? Because if it's like 50, 50, and I don't think it's worth it, sometimes I'll just think, well, that's a great hobby then. Mm. Like, I don't need to do that as a career. But this is one thing that kind of reminds me of what you were doing when you were exploring your, your acting. Mm -hmm. And that was a huge potential pivot for you. Mm -hmm. And eventually you decided not to pursue it. And you were actually doing really well, getting <laughs> casted in all these different roles. And I know drama and acting has had always been a real interest for you. And what I love about what you did was that you just started. You were mm -hmm. like, I'm going to go take some like, you know, improv classes. Improv classes turned into um, improv workshops with other people that were professionals mm -hmm. turned into, hey, Jackie, I'm going to go and get my head shot and do like, <laughs> you know, a book or, or a reel or whatever it was. Yeah. Into I just got casted for this role in these movies where I just stand out in the cold for like six hours <laughs> or something. And it was really going for a while. And mm. I feel like that is such a great example of what exploring a pivot actually looks like and not pivoting. Because sometimes mm. we explore pivots true. times before we actually pivot. Well, I think I explored the pivot without much financial gain. <laughs> yes. yes. That was a big piece too. I mean, I I remember, and I, you know, I was thinking that when you said something earlier, I have uh, some friends that are actors and they're not like, you know, like, what is it? 3% or 1% of, of uh, actors in the Screen Actors Guild make over $10,000 a year. That was an old, that was an old statistic, but it's not probably, um, I mean, and so the one of my friends in particular, they go through lots of spots where there's not a lot of roles coming in, and then they'll get something big on a on a show, and that that sort of sustains them. But there's no question that they're doing that, um, and and there's no question that they don't want to do anything else, right? It has to. It's going to be about that, right? And that willingness to be there. For me, the pivot. Uh, there was other parts of the like standing in freezing cold river for an entire day and almost getting frostbite that was a real clincher i think like i was like i don't know this is i like performance and i like that to be part of it but i'm good i'm good <laughs> that's exactly i think that's exactly how we explore what careers we want to do yeah yeah you know, because there are times where i i will actually write out full business plans with the intention of starting the business and then after i write the business plan i'm like wow, that's going to take a lot of work. <laughs> and I'm like, no, not worth it. I don't want it bad enough. Yeah. And then I just, there are like 10 businesses, 20 businesses that I've written business plans for that I've never started and I never want to start. But at least now I know because I've gone through the process of exploring it to its absolute point of surety. Mm -hmm. And I think you did that too, because mm -hmm. for a long time you're like, should I be an actress? Mm -hmm. Should I do this? 
And you went all the way to the point where you were standing in a cold river and getting frostbite. And you're like, <laughs> yeah, I like this, but a hobby is great too. Yeah. Yeah. Which is all yeah. a part of, I think, discovering what you want to do. The other part yeah. of, oh, sorry. I was just going to say the other part of it for me, which um, the, the business piece of, of being an actor that that was not what I wanted to do. I like the performance piece. I like the being a part of a creative community, um, the connections, the the com camaraderie, everything that comes with it, right? Um, but the other part, which is really building your career, and I've I know how hard that is. I watch people do that, and it's just amazing to see it when it happens. Like like even for yourself, right? Like you, the work that you put into that, I just that wasn't I knew I, that was the difference between that and what I'm doing now is like I did not have an interest in doing that for that work then I do have the interest in what I'm doing now yeah yeah that's the difference yeah that is, and it's the same stuff but yeah. it's for a different purpose absolutely also like you mentioned that you weren't making a lot of money doing acting but I would say that almost with every single career that I ventured into almost every single one the money didn't come in the mm. beginning. Yeah. You know, I was doing farmer's markets, as you remember, because you worked <laughs> farmer's markets with me. Uh, New like, Westminster, so much fun. Best. Like we would drive out there so early and you would be hawking <laughs> pastries and baked goods. Uh, thank you so much. You're such a good friend. It's crazy. Um, but I was... I was like doing all nighters baking for a farmer's mm. market for years. Mm -hmm. And the money part was just like, if I can break even doing this hobby, I'm golden because it was just fun to do. And even with Boku, I was like planning to not make money for like the first three years because I was like, but I felt like it's still worth doing. I still mm. want to do it knowing that I could go bankrupt. I'm still, you know, even with this podcast, I've, I'm like fully understand that I'm not probably not going to be the next podcast sensation, <laughs> but I'm like, I'm willing to invest this amount of money into this because it's something I'm really passionate about doing right mm -hmm. now. And let's test it out. And maybe like in a year, I'll think, oh, that was fun On to something else. Absolutely. So final. I think that's the other thing with choosing a next career or exploring the possibilities yeah. of new careers is that it's it's always now this is easier said than done but it's always best done with an element of lightness and exploration mm. like with the attitude this exact same feeling as when you go on vacation and you're like Ooh, that restaurant looks good. Let's try it out. Oh my gosh, I've never had this food. Let's try it out. What's down that alley? I want to go and look. The sun down there looks really beautiful. Ooh, I just found this amazing hidden garden. Cool. Like mm. exploring your career, if you have the uh, ability to, is best done with that attitude. Also, most of the time, I have never switched careers while having no safety net yeah yeah i started baking when i was I, I was still doing design yeah and you did acting 
while you were still working yeah. your day job. Yeah. And you are still working in the school system part time in order to make sure that you have a safety net for your private practice, just in yeah. case. Yeah. Yeah. And so sometimes these pivots don't need to look like we're jumping off a cliff. Sometimes they just look like, you know, let's explore this while I do this other thing that I know is going to give me the freedom and the uh, peace of mind to be able to explore because fear is the one thing that will stop exploration and creativity. Yeah. Um, you made me think about actually a couple of students who uh have done that over the years because I've you know I've kept in touch with some students over the years and um and e some of them did not have a safety net necessarily but they were willing to adjust their lives um to because it was so important to them to and and most of it had to do around starting their own businesses and so I remember like there is fear because they didn't have they didn't have the money, but they also were willing to see, I have, I could live with this amount to pay my bills. Uh, and I wanted for this many years to see if it would work. And, and interestingly for the two that I'm thinking about, it, it has, mm -hmm. right. And it, and it is like, it is, it, it take, does take time, but um, they weren't able because of circumstances necessarily to, to make a, change and have that that safety net but it was so important to them that they gave themselves a certain amount of time and mm -hmm. if it didn't work then they you know yeah i think the certain amount of time part is is a huge one that i've always done for myself so even with this podcast i'm like i'm going to give myself a year mm. and then check in does it still check all the boxes like do i still feel really energized and passionate about this because that's the purpose you know that's the reason why i'm doing it um, you know, is it sustainable from a financial perspective? Like, am I breaking even? That's, you know, another checkpoint. Another one is, do I feel like there is some momentum of growth, whether it's I'm growing or the podcast is growing, or I feel like listeners uh, are giving me feedback that they're growing mm. you know, so that there's some momentum. Because I think when things are stagnant, they sort of die. Like, so there's always like markers of, look, I'm going to be able to give myself an out if it's not working and to give myself that time limit of a year or very measurable milestones, like until I reach this mark. And if it's, if I'm not feeling it there, I think too often people define failure in ways that tie their feet mm. to something that they don't want. And it's like, what, what is failure? Like, absolutely. Yeah. We're all just testing this stuff out anyway. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, okay. So I feel like we've like explored some stuff here. Um, if you were to answer this asker's question directly, what do you think you would say, um, advice on finding a new career, knowing that they are obviously worried about the financial risks what would your advice be from your own experience well the the whole if not for the financial risks piece is a hard one to overcome for me right like i if that sounds like that's a real um legitimate 
and real concern, right? So, I, I mean, I like what you said about, um, is it possible to include it as a hobby somehow, like to start as it being a hobby that it doesn't have to be uh, your job, right? Um, or to just learn more about whatever that career is. Like for me, um, it was starting with the courses and starting with the classes and and talking. I did a lot of talking to people who were in in um, the job. I started training for this job now while I was in another job taking courses. It was a lot, but I was still trying to you know do that. Um, again, though, the financial risk piece is a really hard one because it says that it's a legit fear, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I'm not one to say just do it. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, like that's not helpful for me. And I don't imagine it would be helpful for many. Um, I really can appreciate the feeling of also feeling stuck. Um, just sort of thinking about my own uh, transition from to a different career. I really became very intentional about finding the things that matter to me in the job that I was currently doing. Mm -hmm. Because otherwise it was just, it was not, I couldn't do it. So I really started to focus and I actually started to shift my job so that I was doing more of what I really liked in the job that I was in, even though it wasn't what I wanted to do forever. Um, so this is a really long winded answer, but I just wanted to acknowledge the, the stock feeling and the financial risk piece is, is I get that. Yeah. I think the financial risk piece you know, like I said, like any fear will stop the, the freedom of exploration. Mm -hmm. And so for me, the way that I deal with any fear, um, <laughs> which has changed recently because of having a baby, but the way that my go-to way of dealing with fears is I really am honest with myself about exactly what the fear is. Yeah. And you drill down to, okay, what is it really like? Cause sometimes if you say like, I'm worried about money, sometimes worrying about money is not just about money. It's worrying about, well, what if I don't have money and I'm embarrassed and someone shames me for not being good enough or not being successful and I've always been the successful person hmm. or the financial piece could be my parents grew up really poor and I never want to be sad the way that my dad was sad or something like that. And so when you really drill it down to like, where does this fear actually come from? And then after that, you know what you're dealing with and then you know what your worst case scenario would be. So my financial fears are usually if I were to like really drill it down because obviously I have financial fears as well like everyone it's what if I can't be impressive anymore and the reason why impressive is important for me is because when I was a child I'm not blaming my family at all but this was just my experience there was just so little time because they were dealing with so much as immigrant parents. We grew up with 10 people in our, in our house. There was so little time for me to be acknowledged or noticed as a human being that I was only ever noticed when I was impressive, when I did something outstanding. 
And I, and because Chinese families are all about financial security, having financial security and being wealthy is outstanding too. And so uh, my, I think my financial fears drill down to what if I can't be outstanding, meaning I will never be loved. I will never have the opportunity to be loved or seen. And obviously I don't think this in my mental head, but I think it in my heart, in my like body. And it's, it's a struggle all the time to overcome that. But anyway, back to the point is like when you outline your fear, sorry. No, no. I was just going to say, like, I really like what you said there too, about the, um, what, what is that financial fear? Because I mean, this, the, the person that's written in has said, if not for the financial risks, and I got stuck on that, but then I don't even know what that actually means to them. Like, you know, cause like we talked a couple of weeks ago about how gazillionaires still fear sometimes that yeah. they don't have. Right. So it doesn't, I guess it's like defining it for myself and, and, and moving out of that fear place to, uh, truth to the logic around it. Right. And that's why for me, it was really sitting with someone else. I cannot do this in my own head. That's why I reach out to you or I talk with my husband, right? Like I need to look at it um, realistically and not keep it because once it gets in here and it stays and I start to go through all of my, all my fears start to get attached. Right. And it's, it, it used to be about finances, but actually it's not about finances anymore. It's really about X, Y, and Z. So um, I guess, I guess for me, the, the piece about like financial fear, is it really? And if it is okay, that makes that, that helps to know that. But if it isn't for me, that's been a relief. It's mm -hmm. been a relief to go, actually, this is just something completely else that I got to work on. Yeah. Yeah. And like, if, if we follow that fear all the way to the end, then we can actually challenge the truth of the essence of it, right? Like, mm -hmm. is it true that if I was not impressive, no one would ever love me? Mm -hmm. And I know without a shadow of a doubt, I am sitting here talking to one person that will always <laughs> love me. Like, yeah. and that is like my, my baseline, right? Mm -hmm. And then once we start diffusing that fear, because once you shed light on anything, it, it diffuses its power once we diffuse that power of that fear, then you can actually start looking at the finances in black and white. Yeah. The black and white piece. Yeah. Yeah. You can actually start going, okay, what are my expenses and what are my, what is my financial status? And is it true that I can't make this thing work that I really want? Uh, or is it worth it to make it work? That was the other question we were talking about. But without clearing that emotional space around finances and around the fear, I don't think it's even possible to look at your financial situation in black and white to begin with. And True. without looking at that, it's hard to then play in the world to discover what a new career looks like. Because actually discovering a new career, I think, requires play. I don't know, just yeah. for me yeah has it have you did you feel that way with like the acting well yes and also 
like I said, I, I haven't, I, it was interesting to talk about this because I didn't move into private practice without exploring. I, I like to look at it more as exploring. I don't know. I'm not, I, I'm going to play. I don't do that. <laughs> no, what's wrong with play? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but I don't really play either. You know me. I'm so yeah, serious no, all the time. I know. What, are you talking yes. about? what is this play word? <laughs> But the the exploring part, and and I don't even think I knew that I was doing that, but I'm like, eh, I'm going to take this class. Oh, I'm going to study this theory. Oh, I'm going to read this book. Yeah. And and it was when I was doing that, I'm like, actually, I like this. <laughs> I like, I like, I, and talking to people who are doing the career, I'm like, that sounds really good. <laughs> yeah. And I've got the, the education for it. So I'm like, well, I'm going to, I'm going to apply and I'm going to apply for my accred accreditation, right? So yeah, but but it it wasn't like I'm just doing it. It was yeah. it was I'm gonna check out some stuff just to make sure because of this deep seated fear of mine. <laughs> yeah, and in these things, I mean, we were just talking the other day about how you're like, I really want to study this like theory in, in therapy. Yeah, I just want that. And we talked about like, okay, well, what will it take for you to create the space in your life? to make that happen because you're obviously still exploring. Well, no, wait, you're obviously still playing. <laughs> no, just... I'm so, going to go play. <laughs> yeah. So that's another piece. It's like, what do we need to do to create the amount of space mm. to do where that space is potentially doing nothing, which mm. turns into something. Yeah. Sometimes, which is also very hard. I'm not very good at that, but I've had to force myself to do yes. it when when trying to find a new career, especially after I sold Boku. Mm -hmm. Came out and I had years where I was just there was just nothing going on. And I was like, what do what do I do now, guys? Anyone got some ideas? Everyone's like, you can do anything you want. Just do it. I'm like, yeah, but wait, wait, wasn't that the time where you were still doing the apartment Lafayette? Yes. So there was stuff. I remember because we uh, had a lot of conversation with it, but I'm like, wait, uh, look at this apartment that you're figuring out. Like that was amazing. Yeah. I mean, that was definitely my exploration, but it was also therapy for me. Yeah. Oh yeah. I was yeah. so burnt out. Yeah. Doing all the careers that I just mm -hmm. needed. I, I think a subconsciously my body was creating a space where I could heal and rest. And that's another piece to this is don't, I think, don't negate that our bodies know much more than our minds sometimes. Yes. Darn and it. that our bodies, if you listen to your gut and like, Ooh, that looks interesting or Ooh, you know, those end up leading you to the most profound experiences, not and finding a new career is usually not done with the, let me like make a list of all the potential <laughs> careers that I could have and then check, check, check and mm -hmm. carry the one. And, you know, like it's not usually like that. Well, I did uh, when I was doing um, career life connections with my grade 12s a couple of years ago, I took that uh, career aptitude test. Yeah. Oh, and I, what did uh -huh. it say? Um, well, park ranger and clown oh. 
seeing as how you don't like to play, clown might be <laughs> off the table. But but uh, in, yes, uh, counselor was still really high up there, but it was not first. Park ranger was first. I wonder so. what if I took this test. I wonder what it would say for me. Uh, that would be cool. You should try that actually. What do you think it would say? I mean, it gives you pretty limited. These career aptitude tests give you like a very limited yeah. amount of of choices. I mean, but if clown was in there, then it must be relatively wide. Yeah, it was low. It was lower than park ranger. I think it would still go entrepreneurial for you, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know what it would look like. It would it would say something about entrepreneur business, um, but it might give you a more specific area of business. Maybe. Yeah. I just like, I just like making things. Yeah. Yeah. That's, and I, I don't. <laughs> I'll make them. Yes. Don't worry. I'll make them for the both of us. Thank you. Um, okay. Do you have any last thoughts on uh, the question from Wisdom Seeker? Um, no, well, I, first of all, just thank you. I think this is a really cool structure that you have that 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 someone writes in with this, and I think it's a. I'm sure that it's a question that many people have. I also, um, the fact that the person has been laid off, I just also want to say that that's a that comes with its own real struggles, right? So yeah, yeah, that's um, a, yeah, that's huge just saying thank you. I thought this was a really neat opportunity and uh, and hopefully they'll get a chance sometime to also come and talk to you. I would love that. I think mm -hmm. it's such a cool. I would love to talk to this person in the future and see see the the bigger details of what was going on for them. For sure, yeah. And actually yeah. ask them, hey, where did these financial fears come from? I mean, not everyone wants to dig into that. Yeah. But, <laughs> yes. That is my jam. I want to know where <laughs> everyone's financial fears are coming from. Anyway. Yes. Cool. Well, thank you so much as always mm. for um, being there and also just for supporting me. Cause I know part of this, you probably would have said no, unless it was for supporting me if it weren't for supporting me, sorry. Um, so I just want to thank you for that. And you're always so wise and yeah, appreciate right, you. Well, you know, right back at you. I couldn't do this world without you. So, thank you. Thanks. Dear Wisdom Seeker, I sincerely hope there was something said today that was helpful to you. I hope you too have Sandras in your life that can support you through the exciting and sometimes scary process of exploration. Whether it be exploring your interests or your fears, exploring how to create space for curiosity to grow, or exploring what risks feel worth taking to you. I don't think we really did fully acknowledge the feelings and insecurities that are brought up when we're let go from a job. That may also take a bit of time to parse through. And if you can, be very generous with yourself and don't hesitate to give yourself the space and permission to process that change in your life. And I want to reiterate, it is no easy task to discover a perfect career. Though keep in mind, and as I say this, I want to lessen the pressure of it. It's that even perfect careers, north stars as you say, become careers that no longer feel perfect. That we may be searching for our perfect careers over and over again 
because we evolve. And so what we choose to include in our lives must as well. After I had ended some major careers in my life, I was in the exact same space as you, wondering what I could, should do next. I felt at a complete loss. And the one thing that kept me stuck was that I was not focused on what inspired me, but instead what others would expect me to do. It paralyzed me, and I couldn't explore in the same way with the same abandon. I had come to be known as someone with the amazing careers, and my identity was so fused with it that when I was trying to find what came next, the expectation of others loomed over me, threatening my self-worth at every turn. The more I searched with external voices guiding me, the further I walked myself into a corner. Though it was only through this process of paralysis that I could finally begin to separate who I was from what I did for a living, I came to understand that my joy and my satisfaction came from so many facets of life. My North Stars are so plentiful. That being said, what I create gives me immeasurable joy too. And the moment I finally lifted the pressure to find the perfect career, I created space to be curious, to enjoy what I already had in front of me. I created space to dream and wonder, to try something, to date it without feeling like I needed to marry it. So my hope and wish for you, dear wisdom seeker, is that you'll be able to enjoy this time of exploration amidst all the fears. Both are important. Both play a role, and you are expansive enough to hold both truths at once. This is something that I remind myself daily as I navigate the exploration and fears around even creating this podcast. I've come to repeat to myself in the moments of greatest doubt that though I am afraid, it matters so little, because the steps I choose to take despite the fear is precisely how my life will be defined. Thank you all so much for joining me for this first ever episode of You and I. And thank you, Sandra, for being our first ever guest. It was such a pleasure to explore your question, Wisdom Seeker. I really hope you got something helpful out of this. And if anything, please know that you're not alone. You see, we all struggle. We all mourn, yearn, question, laugh. We all cry. No matter our age, background, or titles, at our core, we're all not so different, you and I. And here's next month's question. I live in Victoria, born in Namibia, 63, and never had children purely by circumstance and then later by choice. So often people feel children give them purpose, but what do I have to say? The childless one. Would love to hear other people's thoughts on this. If you have had the same personal experience and are interested in being a guest of that episode, or if you have a short word of wisdom for them, write to us on the contact page on youandipodcast.com or DM us on Instagram at youandi.podcast. And of course, as always, please do submit your questions there too. If you enjoyed this episode, like and subscribe to our channel, which helps others who might be interested find us as well. 
and feel free to share this episode with a friend or family member who you think might find it helpful. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm Jackie Kai Ellis, and here are some words of wisdom. Hey, Wisdom Seeker, I totally hear you. I'm currently in a similar position, and it's hard. You can have the best of intentions, but opening up your mind to new things and navigating the unknown can be challenging. Believe in yourself, that you do have transferable skills that can serve you well in other careers. Think about all the connections you have, friends, family, former coworkers. Reach out to them and use that network. That process may take you on a path you'd never even thought of and lead you to a job you didn't even know existed. The financial pressures are real. No one can deny that. But think about what you're trying to achieve. Make a list of goals. Apply to jobs that inspire you. You might strike out the first few times, but eventually you'll land on something that hopefully brings you joy. Good luck, and when you feel like giving up, just keep on going. The thought of career change is scary. But I think it's easy to process when you come to the realization that this idea is a constant new thought because sadly your current career or job or whatever the reason just isn't doing it for you anymore. I think it may seem easy for me because I've done it a few times, but don't get me wrong, there was a level of fear every time. But it's the experiences I've learned at each decision to change that have given me the tools to define my path with less and less fear. But to be totally honest, there's something about fear that kind of pushes you through that door. And when you ultimately cross that threshold with less and less knowledge of what's ahead, less familiar tools to navigate with, and less of a support group, just like anything else in life, you instinctively draw upon the few tools you know are transferable to this new endeavor that you are competent with. I always keep in mind that change is always good. It may seem traumatic or scary at first, but the reason for the upheaval is almost always justified, and the ultimate result always ends up in some improvement in life if you just put in the effort. So just go for it. Good luck. You can do it.